Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, which can be found on page 11 in your pew Bibles or page 20 in the large print pew Bibles. Genesis 15, verses uh, 1 through 6. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for the ways that you work. We know that your ways are not our ways, but that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So Lord, we ask that you would um, help us this morning not try to, um, to bring your thoughts down to ours, but God, that you would raise ours up to yours. that we would understand that your ways are better than our ways. Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding where there is confusion, that you would give us vision where there is blindness, that you would open our ears where we have been hard of hearing, And Lord, that you would soften our hearts, for we have been hard of heart. God, we ask that you would prepare prepare us to hear the message of your kingdom. That we would have an understanding of what it would look like in our own lives for you to be our king. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis 15, we have the word of the Lord coming to Abram, later known as Abraham, coming to him in a vision and making promises to him. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me, since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. As we are turning to our New Testament lesson from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, let me just say, we kind of read over that statement that Abram believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness, as, well, of course he believed him. But if you think about the situation he was in at the time, when he has just complained of having zero children, And he's already pretty old, past the age of having children. And God says, look at all the stars. You're going to have that many. It does seem like there's a bit of a leap here. And yet, Abram believes that if God says he's going to do it, that nothing is too hard for God. That even going from no children to that many children, if he says he'll do it, I don't know how, but he'll do it. 
And as you read later in the story, Abram does not understand how. But he does believe that God will do it. Then we turn to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And we have Luke following up his former book, the Gospel of Luke. And he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, and in a few days you will be ba- but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you caught what it was that Jesus was speaking about after his resurrection, but it was actually the same thing that he was speaking about when he first began to preach, and that is the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God, which it will use interchangeably. But even after his resurrection, he's talking about the kingdom of God, and even after his resurrection, the disciples still don't understand what it is they're supposed to know about it and what they're not supposed to know about it, even after all this time. And yet, this is what Jesus has been talking about. This is what he's been preaching about. This is what he's been showing to the people through his miracles and through everything he's doing. He is teaching and preaching and acting out what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come. And so we are actually looking at parables of the kingdom of heaven, particularly those in the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus starts his parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Where he's specifically talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he compares it to something that we can look at, something that we can touch, something we can say, oh, okay, so like that, not like what we've probably always imagined or expected. And the reason he has to do this so many times is because we miss it. Every way we turn, we think that it's something else because we are surrounded by the kingdoms of this world that are not like the kingdom of heaven. And so we expect that the kingdom of God is going to be the same thing as the kingdom of the world, just, you know, with a minor tweak here or there. It'll be just like the kingdoms of this world, except that God will be the leader. But he'll be a leader just like our leaders, just, you know, bigger and better. But it's not. And so Jesus has to constantly say, no, 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 the kingdom of heaven is like, and by the way, that's a good way to read all these parables that he gives when he says the kingdom of heaven is actually in your mind. Imagine that he starts by saying, no, 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 no. (laughs) 
the kingdom of heaven is like. <laughs> because they're all in some way corrective to how we imagine the kingdom of heaven to be. And he has come to set us straight and say, no, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So that's what we're doing right now, is looking at this whole series of parables that Jesus tells. Of This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And uh, today, as you might have guessed, both from your bulletin cover as well as the children's sermon, we're going to be talking about, about a little seed. About a, little, a mustard seed. Now, anybody know what the mustard seed represents in the Bible? Talking about the mustard seed... Faith, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, in this particular parable, it does not represent faith. And the reason I bring it up, and thank you for answering, is because if I don't specifically say that it's not talking about faith here, half of you will probably make it through the entire sermon assuming that it's still about faith. (laughs) Because there is another parable that Jesus tells later where he uses the same thing, and he's talking about faith. But not in this one. And in parables, and this is one of the weird things about them, in parables we have these stories that he tells where he's showing us kingdom realities using earthly things that we look at. And these earthly stories. But the images that he uses, he mixes them around all over the place. I'll give you an example. This is the third parable he tells in a row in Matthew chapter 13. So if you go ahead and turn there, you have... Matthew chapter 13, the first parable he tells is one we didn't even cover as a part of this series, but uh, you have a farmer that goes out to sow his seed, and he sows the seed, scatters it along four different types of soil. And then we saw last week in the parable that uh, we began with, another seed uh, and sowing. Starting in verse 24 of chapter 13, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field while everyone was sleeping, etc., etc. Now, in both of these, we can be pretty confident what each of these things represents. You know why we can be confident in both of these? Because the disciples ask him about it, and he actually tells them. And that's recorded for us. And so we can go back and we can say, okay, we're not guessing here that this is what he's talking about. He tells us this is what it means. Which is really nice. (laughs) And... Both times, he's talking about seeds and being planted. But in the first one, he tells us that the seed is the word of God. And that the soil is our hearts. That's what he's talking about. In the second parable that follows right along the heels, he's still talking about seed and planting and soil. But now he tells us, no, now the seed is not the word of God. The seed is the, the people of God, the people of the kingdom. And the field, the soil, is the world. So already he's used the same two images, but they've already switched meanings. This is why we can have the mustard seed mean faith somewhere else. But right here he's talking about something else. We've got to be clear on that. And now we're looking at another parable where he's using the third one in a row of planting seeds in the ground. And yet each time it means something a little bit different because he's making a different point each time he uses this example. So... About ready to look at what it actually says. This is Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Very short. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, 
which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Then, there you go. We got it? <laughs> Amen, let's go home. <laughs> It seems, I mean, it's pretty short and sweet. He's been talking about these, uh, talking about seeds, talking about soil. And now he says, all right, here's another one. Still got to start that, no, 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 no. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And here's what he's talking about here. It's a size comparison from how it begins to how it ends. As I was talking about with the kids, you know, how many birds can sit on a mustard seed and say zero, and they're exactly right. An awkward seat for a bird. But when it grows into a large plant, a large tree, they can come and sit no problem. Lots of birds. Because the size increase is dramatic. You would never think that something that huge could be contained in a tiny seed. Now, here's the thing with the tininess aspect. It's what makes us miss it all the time because it's so small. We constantly have our attention grabbed by what's big and what's flashy and what makes an impact. And the kingdoms of this world operate that way. And if you look at what grabs the news or the headlines, the headlines of the news, makes more sense, it is the kingdoms of the world and the bigness and the big things that are going on. That's what, grabs, that's what grabs the headlines. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is different. The kingdom of heaven is so small that you might miss it, that it, it will grow, but it takes time. How many of you go plant cotton one week and then go strip cotton the next week? Anybody? I wouldn't recommend it. A very small crop. He's constantly using these images of seeds and planting because there is a time element that makes us uncomfortable, especially nowadays when we want everything now. We pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're kind of, we have this sort of implied, do it big and do it now. And that's not just that that's how we are now as people. This is actually how they were back then. This is why Jesus has to give these kinds of patience, patience, patience sorts of parables. The seeds and the growing. Because when Jesus came in, to, um, came in and started preaching the kingdom, people, some people got really excited about this. And like, great, it's time. Let's go kick out the Romans. They have been putting us down for too long, and we are sick and tired of it. We're done with it. And this guy is coming and preaching the kingdom of God that we've been waiting for forever. Now he's here, and let's do it. Let's do it big. Let's do it fast. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's like a seed. I'll give you another image for this. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie The Nativity Story. It's where uh, it's a movie about Christmas time, first Christmas morning, and, uh, and the, what's leading up to it. And Herod at the time, one of the rulers of the kingdoms of the world, this, this paranoid guy 
And he really was in history. Very paranoid guy, killing his own family members when he thought that they might take the throne. And he hears that there is possibly sort of rumblings and rumors of this Messiah, this one who may bring about the kingdom of God, in which case he would be out of a job. <laughs> and like this. And here's one of my favorite scenes is when they, he actually sets up checkpoints and as Joseph and Mary are coming along to go to Bethlehem, this part's not in the Bible, but it's still it's such a good image for what's really going on, is as they're going, the Roman soldier or the soldiers there are checking everybody for this Messiah, this strong military leader who's going to come in and take everything by force. And Mary goes by on a donkey, completely unchecked. I love that image. Because this is what Jesus is saying with the the kingdom of God. It comes in so small, you'd never see it as a threat. You'd never see it as anything worth looking at twice. And he says, that's what the kingdom of God is like. But you give that time, and you let God work with that, and he's going to do things that will blow your mind. (laughs) So much more will come from this than than you can even imagine. This is the way the kingdom of heaven is. And so we have uh, another image for this is what we see, we read in the, in the book of Acts. From the start of the book of Acts to the end of the book of Acts, you know what we see? At the beginning, we have Jesus and a very few people who know that he is who he said he was, the one who died and who had raised again from the dead. And he says, you are going to be my witnesses everywhere. By the very beginning of the book, it's almost nobody. You think the Caesar in Rome had heard about Jesus at this point? Probably not. That wasn't the kind of things that was the kind of thing that was grabbing the headlines. Some rebel in some far out community. Ah, Jewish leaders took care of that one. There's no need to trouble Caesar with that. That was a nothing. It's over. Unless the seed got planted. And what seemed like a burial was actually the planting of a kingdom that's sprouting. And so what we see by the end of the book of Acts is Paul, in Rome, under house arrest, preaching Jesus to everyone around. So that all of Caesar's household is hearing about Jesus. Now, who could have thought that from the beginning of the book? Well, Jesus thought that. That's why he said that this is what you're going to do. (laughs) He knows how the kingdom of God works. He's come to tell us how the kingdom of God works. Now, here's where this applies for us today. It would be really easy to take a look at that and say, and look at how many people call themselves Christians today compared to back then. It's huge. Who could have seen that? But I think there's something else a little different going on. And that is that even today, with all of the numbers of people who call themselves Christians, we still might be missing something. That might be what's grabbing the headlines that we're looking for. But when he says the kingdom of heaven is small, the kingdom of heaven is, goes unnoticed and unrecognized, I think we have to take a closer look. 
than just seeing reported numbers from throughout the world. I'm not sure the kingdom of heaven is the kind of thing that grabs the headlines with you know, the number of the people who attend some local mega church kind of thing. 10,000 people attend this church. Look at this gigantic mustard plant. Maybe. But I'm not sure that tells the whole story. I think instead what we have is Jesus saying, look for the kingdom of heaven in those small things. Look not, not at the numbers of people attending the church, but look at the ways in which the people of the church are living out the kingdom of God in their everyday lives. Look at, look at the 68-year-old who has been faithfully reading her Bible and praying every day, who is growing in her relationship with Jesus, and because of that, is in the midst of having, in the midst of forgiving her sister, who has betrayed her terribly. Look at that. This is where the kingdom of heaven is. It's not going to make the news, but it is so much more powerful than most of the things that do. You look at the uh, the person who is sacrificing of their own time and their own energy to share the hope of Jesus with a teenager who has just about given up on all hope. This is where we have the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to make the news. It's not going to grab the headlines of the world because the kingdom of heaven is very different. It is much smaller and it goes so much more unnoticed by the kingdoms of the world. But we trust the heavenly far- farmer who plants a seed, who tends the crop, who causes the growth, and he can do amazing things in our hearts and lives and in the life of the whole world. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a mustard seed. Small, unnoticed, ignored, but absolutely full of amazing potential that God says will come. Now, when we have the eyes to see, when we have the ears to hear, and will we be those who live as a part of this kingdom because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.